0: welcome to the export i am Reverend X, and alongside me as always is biggie aka ethan Tay, aka somebody who i don't know if i told you that you won um crown jewel but you won crown jewel so congratulations That's
1: crazy because i still what it happened did i wa- i did watch
0: crown jewel yeah uh i think you watch it like that next week
1: yeah
0: yeah the reason i bring that up though is because Uh, Embryo and I earlier this week gave our Survivor Series War Games predictions, and now we are going to get to hear Ethan's picks. Um, In addition to that, we are going to go ahead and talk um, college football player spotlights. And on a special player, or at least in my eyes, he is quarterback Jaden Daniels and what team we think would be the best fit for him. We're also going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers firing offensive coordinator Matt Canada and what to expect from them in the remainder of the season. And then we're going to kind of close things out about whether or not the Grizzlies really do miss dylan brooks but before we get to any of that please be sure to check out the export.net rp the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers previous episodes are our lovely podcast and our youtube channel entitled the x report so without further ado let's go ahead and get to those war games predictions like i said embryo and i went into a more in-depth uh predictions uh so if y'all want to check that out Feel free to. It's on the Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Um, but let's go ahead and kick things off with Ethan's picks, starting with Carlito versus Santos Escobar.
1: Um, It got to be Santos. He just turned you.
0: Agreed. Yep. We are all in agreement on that one. All right, next up, we have the Intercontinental Championship match. Gunther defending his title against the Miz. Gunther. Yeah. Now, me and uh, Embryo were talking about it. I'm willing to bet this is probably gonna be the shortest match on the card, by far.
1: Uh, I would say that I think the shortest match might be Carlito and uh, Santos.
0: So. Really?
1: The only reason I think the match against Gunther might not be like the shortest match is because, like, at the end of the day, the Miz puts on good matches, especially in like bigger moments so you might
0: want to showcase it on the Yeah, that's fair i just look at it like the miz is like you said the miz is solid in the ring nobody's gonna say he's like one of the best but he gets the job done and i think that while he'll have an opportunity to kind of showcase what he can do i think that wwe is still going to continue to showcase gunther as a dominant champion and the best way to do that is to have him handle opponents relatively easily, which I think is going to end up being the case on Sunday. Plus, I mean, it's two war games matches on the card. And you got, like you said, Carlito Santos, Rhea and Zoe. I think those matches are going to get a little bit more time. But uh, speaking of those matches, Women's World Championship match, Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark. Me and Embryo both picked Rhea. I'm guessing you're probably going the same direction.
1: Absolutely. Becca pretends to be the shortest match,
0: honestly. I just hope it's a good match because, truthfully, of Rhea's title defenses so far, none of them have been that good. And I hate to say it because y'all know I love me some Rhea Ripley. So hopefully, this will kind of buck that trend. But the pay per view matches have been very lackluster. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the women's war games match. We have Team Bianca, comprised of Bianca Belair, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and Shotzi. Blackheart uh, going up against a Damage Control comprised of Bailey, Asuka, EO Sky, and Kati Sane. Who you got? I think
1: I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go Damage Control.
0: Yep, yeah, we are three for three on that one. Now, my take is, like in a shorter version, I think that this is going to be the moment when Damage Control turns on Bailey, and pretty much kick her out and she starts her face run, but... Yeah. Do you, What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I agree because I mean they added Oscar out of nowhere, and there's already been signs of like they kind of haven't been rocking with Bailey recently, so I think they'll get the win. Um, and then like it'll be a situation where something happens with Bailey during the match. Like let's say E. You o. Know, Sky gets pinned. And it's cause like Bailey made up a mistake and
0: then they turn on Bailey. I could see that. I again longer version on the like actual episode. But I think how they end up doing is like they end up winning and Bailey's like, Yeah, this is great, you know, try to hype everybody up, yeah, we did this, we did that and then they just look at her like attack her like a pack of wild hyenas. And like I said, like say what you will about Bailey. Obviously she's the he- been a heel for a long time, but I mean she knows how to get a fan reaction, and it's it's hard to go against somebody who's just been attacked by four people. So I think that there are at least three people. So I'm excited to see how they do it, because I know at some point we're going to get Bailey versus Io, and this would be a pretty good way to set that up. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the men's war games match. We have Team Cody comprised of Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, Jay Uso, and the returning Randy Orton versus Team uh, Team Judgment Day comprised of Damian Priest, Finn Balor, JD McDonough, Dominic Mysterio, and Drew McIntyre, who, let me preface this, is not a member of Judgment Day, but is teaming with them on Saturday. Who you got?
1: Team Cody. Uh, I feel like you're not about to waste Randy Orton's return in ring for him to take a
0: See, I said the same thing but now it it becomes an interesting conversation so embryo went team judgment day and a big reason why he went team judgment day is because he thinks that we're gonna see randy turn on jay uso because kayfabe wise jay uso and the bloodline are the reason why randy was knocked out of action for almost what over a year and a half I don't think it's going to happen, but do you think that that is a possibility, not even just at Survivor Series, but at some point see Cody turn, I mean not Cody, Randy turn on Jay?
1: I think it might happen. at I think they're going to win the match, kind of similar to what you just said about Bailey. They're going to win the match. They're going to celebrate. Randy's going to hit Jay with an RKO.
0: I, the only, well, not only, but a big reason why I don't think that's going to happen is mainly just because we're already kind of seeing that same story told with Drew and his beef with Jay. So why would you tell the same story, you know what I'm saying? Like at the same time, or at least right after each other, because it makes total sense to have Randy turn on Jay that makes total sense but honestly like you can make a case for randy turning on seth because he wants to become world champion you can make a case yeah. for him turning on cody which would be dope you know obviously like, cody would have to win the feud but if randy got some good showings that's a great way to establish him as the great heel that he is or even sammy because sammy was a part of the bloodline too so i think it's a lot of different ways that you could go with that
1: yeah uh- I agree. I think the only reason, like, I, when you say, like, it doesn't make sense to have them do the same kind of same storyline over and over, I think the difference, like, the reason in my mind it can make the most sense is, like, Jay, these are the consequences of your actions, like, and, you, and like, you're having to face them because there's just a reality. Like, you screwed Drew, you screwed Randy, like, and these are guys that aren't just gonna forgive you of that; they're gonna come after you. Um, so, and potentially, who we like, we know that Drew's a heel, but it could potentially like further the Drew storyline because then it could potentially be like, let's say, a random triple threat between Randy J and Drew, and like it could further like the whole storyline as a whole. I'm just.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out because I'm sure Randy is going to come out as a face on Saturday just because everybody's going to be happy to see him. I don't think he's going to remain a face for long. No. Nah. All right. Uh, one more thing before we move on. So the tiebreaker for this show is who gives the loss slash who gets the pin or submission and who gets it in each of the war games match. So just for preference. Uh, starting with the women's match, both me and Embryo said we think Cotty ends up pinning Shotzi. And for the men's War Games match, I got Randy pinning Dom. And Embryo has Drew pinning Jay. Who do you have?
1: In the women's, I have... I have Kari pinning... Uh, I have Kari pinning Bianca. Okay in the men's i have uh, in the men's i have Cody pinning Dom.
0: All right, we'll see how everything unfolds next week and per usual we'll have a recap show coming early next week so be on the lookout for that. All right, back to our regularly scheduled program, let's talk some football. Let's go ahead and do that college football player spotlight. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, we are doing it on who should be the Heisman winner. Um, I'm biased, obviously. But senior LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels, who is having a season for the ages. This year, he became the 11th player in FBS history to have 3,000 passing yards and 1,000-plus rushing yards in a season. He has 36 passing touchdowns compared to four interceptions, has 1,014 rushing yards in 10 yards. Rushing touchdowns. I mean, the numbers blow you away. Obviously, the you would wish that it would be combined with like an undefeated record or at least better play from the defense, but nobody can deny Jaden Daniels has been balling. However, you're not bound to hear him talk brought up in the conversation of like top quarterback prospects along a Caleb Williams and a Drake May. However, he could find himself in the first round. So, in your opinion, what team do you think should take a chance on Jaden Daniels? Um,
1: They have a high first pick, so I wouldn't say down. Um, I honestly might say, especially seeing as how he, I think he might be more a little bit more of a project type of pick. I would say legit.
0: That would be fun. Especially if they could, like, one, fix that offensive line, Garrett Wilson be there and get another weapon. That'd be dope. Um, I'm gonna say the Minnesota Vikings. I think that in the past month and a half, they kind of played themselves out of that top 10 range. They have a shot to get maybe a mid to late first round pick or maybe even move up in the second round if they like them enough. Um, but just kind of looking at what they have. I mean, in my opinion, I think Jaden Daniels is pretty much an accelerated and more talented version of what you already have in Josh Dobbs. He's got a big arm. He's very physical as a runner, despite his small frame. He's not afraid to take on contact. He makes generally really good decisions. And the vikings i mean they could bring back kirk cousins obviously he's not going to be able to return week one coming off that torn achilles so it'd be take some time but i do think that they have the weapons to not to say be quarterback proof but they have enough weapons to where whoever steps under center for them in 2024 they are going to have a lot of fun you got jay jett is on the outside assuming he comes back uh tj hawkinson still there jordan at jordan addison is there kj osborne is a really solid third receiver their run game has shown some flashes so i think Jaden daniels with the talent that he has combined with the talents that the vikings has it may not be an immediate thing but i think that as they continue to develop him as a quarterback they could make a lot of noise together but all right let's go ahead turn the table back to week 11 and recap the week starting with the cincinnati Bengals fall to the baltimore ravens 34 and 20 however both teams suffer significant blows in terms of injuries the detroit lions overcome a four turnover performance to beat the chicago bears 31 to 26 broncos take down the Vikings sunday night football 21 20 uh jacksonville jaguars strengthen their hold on the afc southwood win over the tennessee titans 34 to 14 um, Green Bay Packers get the win over the Los Angeles Chargers 23-20 to uh, Giants, despite a terrible performance for their offensive line get a big win over the Washington Commanders 31-19. Miami Dolphins win a close one against the Las Vegas Raiders 20-13 uh, Houston Texans win a close one against the Cardinals 21-16. Browns with another game-winning field goal take down the Pittsburgh Steelers 13-10. Dallas Cowboys beat up on the Carolina Panthers 33-10. San Francisco 49ers get the dub against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27-14. Rams win a close win against the Seattle Seahawks 17-16. Buffalo Bills get back on track with the 32-6 win over the New York Jets and finally the Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl rematch against the Kansas City Chiefs, 21 to 17. After last week, we both went 10 and 4. Nice bounce back performance. Now let's go ahead and talk some injuries. 49ers lose uh, starting safety uh, Talana Hufanga out. He's out for the year with the torn ACL. Uh, Saints place wide receiver Michael Thomas on injured reserve. Chargers place outside linebacker Joey Bosa on injured reserve due to a foot injury. Bengals lose starting quarterback Joe Burrow for the season with a torn ligament in his wrist. And my Baltimore Ravens uh, tight end, Mark Andrews, is likely out for the season unless the team makes a deep playoff run with an ankle injury. So obviously the loss to Joe Burrow is a tough one. I'm not going to say it ends their playoff hurts, help, hopes, but it definitely hurts them. But this is looking at the Baltimore Ravens, who currently are the number one seed in the AFC. I know it's early and it doesn't mean too much, but they still have playoff aspirations. With Mark Andrews out, who has been a consummate pro and Lamar Jackson's favorite target, target over the years, who do you think needs to step up in his absence the most?
1: Uh, I honestly think it's going to have to be a um, a committal approach, obviously, like, I think it's been better because Odell, at least in the recent weeks, is starting to heat up and look like he can at least be the like Odell that was with the Rams a couple of years ago, but I would say Odell, obviously Isaiah likely. Um just to give him some of that across the um, middle of the field type of production that you're used to from Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. But I would say everybody, because Mark Andrews, again, he could be argued as a top two, top one tight end in the game for most people, and you you just can't replace their production with one guy.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, looking at the stats, he's second this year in catches, second this year in receiving yards, second behind uh, Zay Flowers, but leads the team by a pretty solid margin with six touchdown receptions. I mean, Mark Andrews, say what you will about what – Uh, Todd Munkin and how he uses his tight ends or whatever receivers that the Ravens brought in. Mark Andrews is continuously a key piece of this offense. So I'm kind of with you in terms of like skill position players. I think it's going to be a collaborative effort, but I think it puts a lot of pressure on Lamar because if you guys have been watching over the last few years when those plays get off schedule, if he has to escape the pocket, if he's looking to pass Nine times out of ten, he's looking for Mark Andrews. And so now it's for Lamar to kind of work on his chemistry with his wide receivers and Isaiah Likely as well to kind of build that chemistry. So, hey, if things go awry or it's third down, I can trust you to get the ball out because my safety blanket isn't here. So I think they'll be fine. But, I mean, it's just definitely going to be an adjustment not having him out there. All right, moving on to takeaways. Do you have five takeaways this week by chance? How many you think you got? I
1: probably have one because I – basically again all the games i watched was, i watched the games i watched the Titans and i watched the eagles and chiefs
0: okay bet i'm gonna run through my first four and then yeah uh five monday night was a reminder that the eagles have playmakers everywhere aj brown had been on historic tear He only had one catch for eight yards against the Chiefs, but it didn't matter because DeAndre Swift stepped up, Devontae Smith stepped up. They're still going to be dangerous. Four, it's time for Joe Mixon to earn his money. With Joe Burrow out for the remainder of the season, like we just mentioned, Joe Mixon is going to have to make some big plays in that run game. Their run game has not done much over the course of the season, but they're really going to need them to step up if they want to help out Jake Browning and show that they have an opportunity to at least be in the conversation for a playoff spot. Uh, number three the Raiders should keep Antonio Pierce for the 2024 season I mean going up against that Miami Dolphins team I mean we both figured that they would lose but if you had told me they would have lost only by a touchdown I would have been surprised they really held their own throughout the game and I think that that's what you want to see out of this Raiders team and this is a lot more fight that they have now than I've seen them have for some time and uh, two Jalen Warren looks like the best Steelers offensive player I mean he had a 74 yard touchdown run against the Browns it was the only player in that game for the Steelers that had a play of 20 plus yards I talked to you about it off the show I think that it's proven he's a better back this year than Najee Harris and I think that the Steelers need to really lean into that and give him more touches um I
1: actually have three now that you mentioned it because I didn't watch the Steelers game but I You know, me being the Closet Steelers fan, I was keeping up with it, but I definitely agree that I think that Jalen Warren should be featured more in the offense, maybe even the offense run through him, because we'll get to it later, they fired, they obviously fired Matt Canada, now you want to look at Kenny Pickett, and I think something that can help Kenny Pickett out is like, hey, now I have a featured running back that's a good rusher and a good receiver out of the backfield. Try to give them the ball as much as you can. Um, number two, uh, the Kansas City, if the the Kansas City Chiefs' wide receiver group is going to be the thing that maybe cost them a deep run in the playoffs. I watched the Eagles. I watched the game against the Eagles, and like I thought the Eagles had it all but one. And then I look up and I see Marco is Ganley running free. Down the field, and I'm like, "Oh, this game over with. This is TD." And he dropped like a dime right there. Uh, and those are the type of plays that hurt because the cheap Travis Kelsey didn't really have a big game. Uh, it kind of was just like the defense was holding, and you just needed to make one play, and that was the one play, and he dropped the ball. And number number one, uh, uh the Jags. Even though I don't think that they can compete against bigger names in the AFC, the Jags are rightfully so the best team in the AFC South. And it's unquestionably their division for the time being. Um, I know the Houston Texans, they have a lot of talent and they have the opportunity to get better within the next couple of years. But for right now, it's the Jags division and it's not close.
0: Yeah. Um... This, week's ga- this weekend's game against the Texans is going to be very, very important because, I mean, the f- they played, I think it was week two. I think it was week two. Whatever, two or three, when the Texans played them. I lied, it was week three. But played them week three, Texans come out on top. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, the Jags suck. What's going on? Fast forward, it's like, oh, okay, the Texans might be legit. So I think this will be a very, very interesting game uh, to see who really is the top team in the division. Um, and then my number one. We'll definitely expand on the Lions more next week. But uh, the Lions need to correct their turnover issues before they start playing against some big dogs. Like, Like I mentioned when I was doing the recap, they have four turnovers against the Chicago Bears. They won but barely. They had three turnovers this past week against the Green Bay Packers, and they ended up losing because they weren't able to have that same spark. That is not what you want to see out of a team that is trying to not only have one of the best years in franchise history, but actually make a deep playoff run and show that they are legit. Like Before this past week, I heard so much about, oh, the Lions should be in the same conversation as the Eagles. They should be in the same conversation as the 49ers, as the Cowboys. Over these past two weeks, I'm not seeing it. And if they continue to have games like this where they're creating those bad turnovers, it's going to be problematic. And who knows? They could even drop out of the top seed in the uh, NFC North. Reason being, they got the Saints who are going to be competitive. They got Bears again, which they should win, but, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Broncos, which is going to be tough. They got Vikings. Cowboys, and then they close out the season with the Vikings again. They don't have an easy schedule, and if they keep turning the ball over, it could mess up what has been a really good season for the Lions. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the more positive things. Talking our most impressive offensive, defensive, and rookies of the week. Offensively, for me, I'm going to Odell. Uh Have four catches for 116 yards, first 100 yard game since 2021. I know that the Baltimore has continually tried to ramp him up, and he's had good performances. But this past game against the Bengals was the first time I really felt like we were starting to see Odell at his best.
1: Um, for me, I'm going to go with the affirmation, Jalen Warren. Yes, he came in a loss, but I think that was the game that showed like, hey, he's the he's RB one. He's the guy that you need to lean on for of this offense.
0: Uh, next up for defensive player, I feel like I've said his name again in this category, but he's earned it. Uh, 49ers linebacker Fred Warner um, against the Buccaneers, had 11 tackles, half a sack, forced fumble, just another case of him being all over the field. And while there are other linebackers who I'm more of a fan of, there's no doubt that Fred Warner is the best inside linebacker in the league today.
1: I'm going to piggyback back because Fred Warner is amazing. And I agree, it's other linebackers that I'm a fan of, but it's clearly he's the best guy in the business.
0: All right, and then moving on to rookie of the week, I'm going Giants quarterback Tommy DeVito. Despite being sacked nine times, mind you, this is by a commander's defense that no longer has Montez Sweat or Chase Young. He still got sacked nine times, just an attestment of how bad the Giants offensive line is. He still led his team to a win, completed 18 of 26 passes for 246 yards and three passing touchdowns. I think that's the first time a Giants quarterback has done that since 2019. I think that was a stat.
1: My, I was gonna tell me the video because again, he got sacked nine times, and it's funny because I was talking to somebody about how he was talking about how he still lives with his parents. He doesn't fold clothes, and I was like, bro, that's that's nothing. I wouldn't say that out loud. No, <laughs>
0: Like, it's one thing if you say you live with your parents. Okay, cool. Like, you are a late round. I don't even think he got drafted. But you the team brings you in. You don't even know if you're actually going to have a roster spot. I understand that and not want to buy a, a place or rent a place out and you don't know what your security is going to be. But please don't mention you don't, know, you don't fold your clothes or nothing. That's a bad look. Um, all right, and then most disappointing player – I don't have a specific player. I have a unit. I'm going the Eagles' offensive line. I texted you watching that game. I was like, "This is the worst I've seen the Eagles' offensive line look in. I know by far this season, but maybe ever. I mean, Jalen Hurts got sacked five times. There, the Chiefs had nine tackles for loss. Four more quarterback hits. Obviously, ended up winning the game, but they just did not give Jalen Hurts any time, and it just seemed like they were hardly even there to even attempt to block. You can't have that if you're the Eagles and considered the best O-line in the game.
1: Oh, um, For me, I'm going to the same game, but it has to be MBS. Like, bro, you dropped basically the game winner, um, and you were wide open. I, I can't look past it.
0: Honestly, I almost went Travis Kelsey because he had a couple drops. He had a key drop on third down. They ended up getting the fourth down conversion, but he had a drop. And he had a – he fumbled. He had a fumble. So not the best game for Killer Trav. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to week 12. Let's look at some roster moves, starting with the Denver Broncos, whose safety Kareem Jackson is suspended for the second time this season um, following a big hit on Josh Dobbs during the Sunday night football game. He's been suspended for four games without pay for repeated violations of playing rules intended to protect the health and safety of players, which, you know, seeing the hit, he asked for it. Like, it was a bad hit. Uh, moving on, the Washington Commanders following their loss to the Dallas Cowboys yesterday on Thanksgiving uh, fired defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. Uh, moving on to some more signings, trades, and ways. Running back Michael Carter, who was waived last week by the New York Jets, has been picked up by the Arizona Cardinals in a weird Twilight Zone move. Former Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl winning quarterback Joe Flacco has signed with the Cleveland Browns practice squad going to be weird seeing him in an actual jersey uh rams wave running back a daryl henderson following the return of kyron williams and in probably a, the biggest shock of the week or at least towards outside media uh the indianapolis colts have waived outside linebacker shaquille leonard former defensive rookie of the year three or four time all pro one of the best defensive players of our generations prior to a tough stretch of injuries Just we talked about this off the air, but I mean, while his numbers this season don't necessarily back it up every between 2018, 2021, he will look like one of the best players in the entire league, regardless of position. And it'll be interesting to see what team gives him a shot. So let's say you're a GM. Who do you want? If who do you want to? um, So let me phrase that. What team would you bring him in at?
1: Um, I think a big thing for me as far as him you know, is scheme. So I know in Matt flu scheme, that's when he was looking amazing, and then he went on to be the best um head coach. And then you bring in Gus Bradley, and Gus Bradley runs a completely different scheme. And that's you heard that with the injuries that um that he's had, so. I'm trying to think, was Matt Eberflusi's game a 3-4 or
0: a 4-3? I believe it was a 4-3 because that's when they had Nico Autry and yeah. uh, Buck up on the same line.
1: So that would be my first question is, like, what defenses in the NFL run a 4-3? Because I think that, like, yes, you're probably going to get a diminished version of the player that was um, – on. That was in his latter years. But if you're in the same scheme, you could potentially maximize the most out of him. Because, like, he'll be in his natural position in a a 4-3. So I'm trying to think of teams that I know run a 4-3 right now.
0: Um, Cleveland runs a 4-3. No, not them. absolutely not. Them. <laughs> oh, oh, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Cleveland runs a 4-3. Baltimore runs, runs a 3-4. I want to say Cincinnati runs a 4-3. Um, Dallas runs a... I think they run a 3-4? I could be wrong. I could look this up. Just
1: because they run a 4-3 and... That's the most – that's the highest chance of him getting to, like, win a ring. But I don't want to say Philly because I know – That's the easy answer. Yeah, that's the easy answer.
0: I'm trying to – you know, I think – I think I would go Kansas City for mine. They run a 4-3, and, I mean, Willie Gay is great nobody's denying that and drew tranquil has been solid for them um but i mean without nick bolton who has been their second best linebacker i mean it's been kind of tough they've allowed some things up the middle of the field and i think that they could really stand to have a big playmaker in the second level obviously shaq leonard hasn't exactly been that in the past couple of years but i think that steve spagnola is an aggressive enough dc to kind of bring the best out of him
1: i probably i would i'll agree with you just I don't want the Chiefs to have nice things, but I also don't want him to go to the Eagles It's like, okay. So I'll say the Chiefs.
0: All right, let's go ahead and keep things in the AFC though. Pittsburgh Steelers for the first time since 1941 have fired a coach during the season, that being offensive coordinator Matt Canada, which had plenty of people asking what took you so long. Uh, through the first, what, 11 games of the season, the Steelers had the 28th-ranked point offense in points per game and the 28th-ranked offense in yards per game. Then, uh, not making matters any better, I mean, the offense has just been... It's been bad. The Steelers offense hasn't gained over 400 yards in 58 straight games. While in in that same span, NFL offenses have gone for over 400 yards in 462 times. Safe to say the Steelers offense was not living up to expectations, but now with him gone, what? Do you expect there to be a considerable improvement with the offense? Do you think they're going to be a bit more aggressive? Or how, what do you expect to see from the Steelers in these final, what, six weeks of the season, six, seven weeks?
1: I expect, I wouldn't necessarily say I expect to see a considerable like difference. But I just expect them to do to run a more like modern offense. I was looking at, as you know, and everybody that listens to the show, I'm a Closet dealer. fan. It's probably the most unkept secret out there. So like I follow a lot of Steelers like sports pages and it was a page that I was looking at where it, it outlined Kenny Piggy's last game. None of his passes were farther. I think only one of his passes was farther than 10 yards and none of them went across the middle of the field. And in today's NFL, if you don't attack the middle of the field, like, you're not going to get production. You look at all the top offenses. Like, you look at the 49ers. I watched some of the games they had against um, Seattle. They constantly attacked the middle of the field. And I think that's going to be a big piece of it. I also think that, like, they're going to feature, I think, have features the run game more because, again, Jalen Warren has shown to be the best player on offense. And Najee Harris, he's not – he, he's not great, but he's not a bad one to punch. Like he's shown more ability as being a, a complementary back than the main back. I think those are going to be the things that change. It's like they're gonna they're gonna look to attack the middle of the field and like kind of lean more to the run game versus trying to air it out.
0: Honestly, I don't really have an issue with them airing it out because it's not like they don't have weapons. George Pickens. While he does whine a little bit when things don't go his way, he is talented. Deontay Johnson is really solid. Um, They've traded for Allen Robinson for a reason. they got Pat Fryer moved back, the really good tight end that they have. And, I mean, again... Kenny Pickett, say what you will about him, is a first-round pick. I mean, you brought him in to be able to orchestrate this offense to move the ball around. And it's not like they don't have weapons in order for him to do that. And so I think that this will really give him the opportunity to be like, OK, let's see what Kenny Pickett can do. Let's give him an opportunity to kind of air it out. I, like you mentioned, like you got a solid one-two punch in the backfield who you can, I won't say rely on, but they can help like give your offense a little bit of extra oomph so you're not staying necessarily one-dimensional. But I want to put the ball in Kenny Pickett's hands. I want to see if he's really going to be the guy. Because thus far, what we've seen from him has been subpar. And it's been under the veil of, well, Matt Canada's play calling is terrible. He's not aggressive. He's so conservative. Now, let's see where it is now. Let's see what happens with him here. Let's try to air it out. Let's try to put the ball in his hands more. And then if we need to run or if we kind of get defenses on their heels where they fear the pass, we can get that – those quick draws coming up, those RPOs going to see what we actually have. So I'm on the opposite side. I think that they should lean towards the pass more. But kind of talking about Kenny Pickett, let's say the Steelers' offense continues to struggle. Do you think that will end up costing Kenny Pickett his job as the Steelers' starter?
1: I think it will because once you, you've removed Matt Canada, I think it's just a trickle down effect, like, okay, you will remove Mac but everybody knows how bad of an offensive coordinator he's been. And so then you look at what's the next what's been the next like significant like um deterrent of the offense is Kenny Piggy. He has won thirteen games, thrown thirteen touchdowns and thrown thirteen interceptions. And like he he's in year two and you see guys like, that'll make leaps. You also see Ricky quarterbacks and, like, CJ Stroud, yes, I'm not comparing, but he's come in and, like, he's looked like the guy off from the start. Kenny Piggy, he had flashes in the latter part of the season last year, but he hasn't looked to be that guy overall this season. So I definitely think he will lose his starting job.
0: I would agree with that because as much as it pains me to say this, He looks like the worst quarterback in the division of the starters. Like, and that's saying something because you know I'm never going to get a predator, a a compliment, but he's looked better than Kenny Pickett. And it's just like, again, you want to kind of give him grace because like, okay, it's just his second year, whatever. But like you mentioned, CJ Stroud came out like gangbusters. Like we're seeing these young guys. It's not, it doesn't feel like it's taking as long for them to kind of catch on. And mind you, you could make an argument that Kenny Pickett has better players around him than C.J. Stroud does, and yet it's just not happening. And so I think that, like you said, like, without Matt Canada, without there being not necessarily a scapegoat because he was justifiably fired, but without that cover, it's going to be like, all right, Kenny, what can you do? And if it's a lot of those same issues, if it's a lot of those same Aaron throws, Then you got to make a decision if you're the Steelers, which we both talk about. Like they have a tendency to kind of hang on to people a bit longer than they probably should. But I think if you're Mike Tomlin and you know what this team has to offer, you don't want to waste the careers of a T.J. Watt, of a Deontay Johnson, of a um, what's name Cam Hayward, Jordan George Pickens. Like you have pieces to be successful. We've seen it. But if you're hindering us, regardless of who you are and regardless of how early we drafted you. You probably gonna to have to go. So these next several games are gonna be very, very important for Kenny Pickett in his future. But let all right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery before we make our week 12 game picks. Starting off with the New York Jets who are currently playing, kind of surprised it's still a zero-zone game. But we'll see how it all shakes out because I still think Dolphins end up with the dub. Um Everybody's been speculating about when Aaron Rodgers is going to return. Typically, when you toy your Achilles, you're done for the season. However, Aaron Rodgers reportedly expects to come back at some point of this season. Uh, Adam, reported by Ian Rappaport, he said, Week 16 is most likely the return date for Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Jay Glazer said, Aaron Rodgers sent a video of himself working out to teammates, and he looked so good in the video that his teammates were blown away. So, some kind of way defying all logic there may be a realistic chance that Aaron Rodgers can play before the season is over however is it believable or buffoonery that the Jets will even allow him to play following that Achilles injury
1: I'm going to say buffoonery because of two things one you brought Aaron in here for a short time span of I think what two to three years
0: I think, so I think it was like one year, but then he like uh, restructured his deal, so I think it's like two years now.
1: So yeah, you brought him in for two years. You've already lost one year due to an injury. Also, during the time that he's been out, your team hasn't looked like they're a playoff team. Why potentially bring him back when your team might not mathematically be in the playoff hunt? just to potentially risk him to get re-injured. It just doesn't make
0: sense. I agree. I think it's buffoonery. But not only that, if everybody could return from a torn Achilles in the same season, they would do it. There is a reason why people aren't doing it. And this is no disrespect to Aaron Rodgers. I got no beef with the man. I don't think he's as healthy as he's making himself out to be. Not to mention, like you said, this is a team that is not playing well. They're not expected to be in the playoff contention they're putting him at risk for nothing because the offensive line is still bad. Probably worse now with my Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker out for the rest of the year, or at least I know Vera Tucker is, but Becton being hurt. Why would you put him behind a ragtag offensive line and you're not playing for anything? That makes no sense. You're just, you're just asking for him to get hurt because then he gets, let's say he takes a tough hit this time or the turf hurts him and he takes a bad fall. If he's, He's going to be out not just the remainder of this season, but he's probably going to be out all of next season, too. Because let's not forget, Aaron Rodgers is, what, 40 or about to be 40? Your body's just not going to bounce back like that like it would when you're in your 20s, like when uh Cam Akers did it, like 22 or 23 when he tore his Achilles. But even still, his injury happened during the offseason. It wasn't like regular season that he came back, so – Jets, please have some common sense. Do not let this man come back, regardless of what he says. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the Kansas City Chiefs. You kind of touched on it with your takeaways, but those drops are... It was, it's been unfortunate. I mean, we've seen it in quite a few games. Week one against the Detroit Lions, there were pivotal draws that hurt them that game. Um, the last, Their uh, second game against the Denver Broncos, they had some key drops, which ended up losing them the game. And then, obviously, most recently, you get Monday night's game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Shannon Sharp was talking about the team on first take, or more specifically the offense, and said this. I've been sounding the alarm bells about the Chiefs from very, very early on. People don't fear them anymore. Is it believable or buffoonery that no defense fears the Chiefs offense anymore?
1: Uh I'm gonna say it's believable because like right now, if you key in and you take away Travis Kelsey, no or even slow him down. No one else is proven that they can count of um like taking take um take the reins and be the guy. Like Rasheed Rice has had flashes, but he hasn't been consistent in showing like, hey, I could be the guy alongside Travis Kelsey from a receiver standpoint. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, he's a good running back, but it's kind of like Patrick like pa- you, he's relying upon Patrick Mahomes making like a spectacular play, which he's done his whole career. But yeah, I don't think people are necessarily as afraid of the offense as they have been in the past.
0: I'm gonna say buffoonery, like if we're comparing it, sure, yeah, you're not as worried about it, but I'm I'm gonna say buffoonery just because Travis Kelsey is still Travis Kelsey, and when he's on, he's one of the best skill position players in the entire NFL. Same for Patrick Mahomes. Because a lot of those balls that he were he was throwing were great balls they just weren't caught and I think that we've seen time and time again last year is a prime example you can't count out Patrick Mahomes last year he was supposed to fall off the face of the earth last year he was supposed to be terrible Tyreek Hill isn't there they don't have a deep threat what did he do one MVP and won his second Super Bowl and so maybe I'm just I've lived in the era of dynasties like the Patriots where it's like as much as I want to count them out I just can't do it I'm kind of in that same breath with the Chiefs right now because, yes, they have their struggles, but we've also seen Patrick Mahomes throw for 300-plus yards and a half before. We've also seen them put up big points on other people. If anything, it feels like they're beating themselves more than other defenses are beating them. And so because of that, I'm going to say buffoonery. I I think – I won't say every defense fears them, but I think there are still defenses that are a bit wary when they see they got the Chiefs coming up on their schedule. All right, last thing before we move out of here. Tom Brady was a key part of those New England Patriots dynasties that sent chills down many defensive spines. But the recently retired quarterback admitted that he does not seem the same physicality or even the same talent in the current NFL. In a recent interview with Stephen A. Smith, he said, I think there is a lot of mediocrity in the NFL today. I don't see the excellence I saw in the past. In that statement, he referenced the de- the lack of development of younger players. Quarterbacks, I mean not quarterbacks, but coaches not doing a good job of developing, kind of just letting subpar players or subpar athletes get opportunities that maybe they shouldn't have. And so it's an interesting take for someone who's seen the game evolve over the past two decades. So believable or buffoonery, the NFL has become mediocre.
1: Uh, I'm not going to say it's become mediocre, I'm just going to, so I'm going to say buffoonery. I don't think it's become mediocre, but I definitely think it isn't the same level of product that it's been in the past for a number of reasons. Like, I agree, player development currently isn't, I don't think it is as great as it's been in the past. Like, to an extent, look at the game that we're watching, currently um, on Black Friday, the Dolphins and the Jets like. I feel like in years past, Zach Wilson probably would never touch the field. As soon as he did, he would have been, he would have sat behind. They would have had a journeyman quarterback come in for a year or two. He would have sat behind him and then that saw what he got what they have in him. But now he's reaching the field earlier. And yes, you do have guys that are like outliers that come in and can be productive as so as they touch the field. I use U.J. Stroud, but I think more so now as far as development, is more guys are being asked to play sooner than they need to and they and it hinders their development um, because they're kind of just getting thrown in the fire. And then from the other standpoint, from the physicality standpoint, the NFL is nowhere near as physical now as it was in the past. Um, for me being a fan of physical defensive football, it's kinda at times it's hard it can be hard to watch. Cause anytime you see a a big hit or a good defensive play, it's automatically a flag. Like if you if you sack the quarterback and you do it technically sound the way that you were you are always taught. Oh, you drove the entire force of your body weight onto the quarterback, so it was a rough in the passer call. So I I agree.
0: Yeah, I I don't think the NFL is mediocre. Like there's obviously still talent and excellence in the league, but it is very. the game feels very different than what it was, shoot, you don't even gotta say twenty years ago, ten years ago, it feels really different. And like if you're somebody like Tom Brady who's had a lot of success and just seen, like I mentioned, like the evolution of the game over time like i'm i'm sure there are things that are done so differently than when he first started playing that it probably rubs in the wrong way like the player development is rough because so many players who aren't ready are just thrust into starting roles and then they underperform and it's like well I guess that's it and like you're kind of just give up on them some maybe rightfully so others it kind of sucks because they kind of get a chance to develop and then they wind up being solid starters maybe not the superstars they were expected to be but they still do pretty okay and so again I don't think it's mediocre but I do think there is an issue with development I do think coaching has taken a big step back in where we kind of this the, not to say we celebrate the bare minimum but, but you do things and it's great but at the end of the day you play to win the game and the biggest game you can win is the Super Bowl that's always going to be the biggest moment in a player's career or typically it is and I think that Just league-wide, we give a lot of credence to players and coaches who haven't even gotten close to it. Like Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is a great quarterback. But the way people tried to make a case for him being like the best quarterback in the league last year was sick. Josh Allen, another prime example has not gotten close to a Super Bowl, and yet we're just ready to anoint him as the guy. And then if we're talking coaches, Kyle Shanahan, he is a great coach. I am not taking that away from him. But yet, I don't see a Super Bowl ring. And obviously, it's not all his fault that the 49ers haven't won a ring, but I have a hard time putting him in the upper echelon as one of the guys if he can't win a Super Bowl.
1: Especially with
0: the level of talent that he's had. Yeah, and, like, and it's, it's crazy because it seems like you think, oh, they just lost somebody. Fast forward, they get somebody as good, if not better. Like, the 49ers have just had a wealth of talent over the years, and obviously it's mitigating factors, things happen, whatever. But still, like, so because of that, I have a hard time. Like, even right now, if you were to ask me who's a better coach between Kyle Shanahan and Mike Tomlin, give me Mike Tomlin every day of the week. He's done more with less. And I understand he hasn't won a Super Bowl in a while, but the way he's gotten his Steelers teams come hell or high water, even if they in the days of been Big Ben when he could hardly throw the ball 20 plus yards downfield, they still made the playoffs last years. So believe it or not, they still he still finds a way to get his teams over 500 or never below 500. So because of that it's like I I can understand where Tom is coming from, where we kind of celebrate the moral victories as opposed to, like, the tangible success. So I get that. But all right, let's go ahead and move on, make our game picks. Um, We can do this game while it's on right now. Uh, Dolphins and Jets. Right now it's a 3-0 game. I think it's still the first quarter. I got Dolphins because, duh.
1: It's second quarter and in- Dolphins.
0: All right. Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Houston Texans. A huge game with big AFC South title implications. It's tough, but I think I'm going to go with the Jags.
1: Mm. I'm going to go Jags.
0: Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Healthy Joe Burrow. I'm obviously going Bengals, but that's not the case. I got Steelers, but I think it's going to be a really close game.
1: I got Steelers
0: Tennessee Titans uh, hosting the Carolina Panthers. I got Titans. Titans. New Orleans Saints versus the Atlanta Falcons. Winner of this game will take the top spot in the NFC South. Derek Carr is supposed to be playing. I was still going to pick the Saints anyway.
1: Yeah, I got Saints.
0: Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to Indy to face the Indianapolis Colts. Hmm, Buccaneers. New England Patriots returning from their bye, heading to the Meadowlands to face the New York Giants. If there was a game when I was like, I think both teams lose, but I I guess I'll go Patriots.
1: Is it bad that I want to say draw?
0: <laughs> like, it, I, it would not shock me. Neither of these teams are good. But I'll, I'll go Patriots. I think he'll do enough to kind of throw Tommy DeVito off his game.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go for the same reason. I'm going to go Patriots.
0: All right, next up we got the Cleveland Browns versus the Denver Broncos. I'm going Broncos. Yeah, me too. Los Angeles Rams versus the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Cooper Cup, despite injuring his ankle last week, is expected to play. I'm going Rams.
1: I'm going
0: Rams. All right, Philadelphia Eagles versus the uh, Buffalo Bills. A big test for the Bills to get back on track, get uh, get some more footing in the playoff race. All that being said, I still got Eagles. Eagles. Kansas City Chiefs looking to get back on track. Uh, they are heading to Vegas to face the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to put up another solid fight, but I got Chiefs coming out on top.
1: Oh, I got Chiefs.
0: All right, Sunday Night Football, Baltimore Ravens heading to SoFi Stadium to face the Los angeles chargers i got ravens Ravens,
1: that's actually
0: a good game yeah it i i'd love for it not to be a good game like we just want to run away with it please sign me up so we can go into the bye um with the dub all right monday night football we got the minnesota vikings taking on the chicago bears i got vikings vikings all right let's talk the offensive defensive and rookie players we are watching offensively i'm watching russell wilson has been really solid during the broncos four game winning streak i believe no turnovers during this time at least no interceptions has made really good decisions uh, i believe what three or four game winning drives during this span i mean russ may not necessarily be cooking but for all you naysayers it's been real real quiet but with all that being said, he's going up against a really good Bronco. I mean, really good Browns defense that is gonna challenge him the entire way. His offensive line has been so so and going up against a guy like Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Thomason, it's gonna to be tough. But I so I'm definitely watching him hoping he can keep it going.
1: Oh, for me I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching Derek Carr first game back. In the game against a division rival for the chance to be um to take the leaders of the division. It hasn't been a um, a great Derek Clark season, but can he pull out a big win against a divisional
0: opponent? Um, yeah. Uh defensively I'm watching it's well, it's technically two people but one. I'm not sure if Marlon Humphrey is gonna play on Sunday night. So if he doesn't play, I'm watching Brandon Stevens. Main reason being with all the injuries that the Chargers have gone through, it is clear that Keenan Allen is and probably will be as long as he's there their top target and so whether it's Brandon or Marlowe out on the outside on the island defending him they have to have a big game because everybody knows that's who Justin Herbert wants to get the ball out to um, For me
1: it's not a player it's a unit it's the Philadelphia Eagles secondary going up against Josh Allen in a game where he looked to bounce back and regain some of his form like And the Eagles secondary has been very hit or miss all season. Are they going to be a hit this game against the Bills?
0: Yeah, because – especially because it's not like their line was getting much penetration against the Chiefs. And so, like you said, there were definitely moments where the Chiefs could have made plays, but, you know, dropping balls definitely helped. Um, And then the rookie I'm watching is Bryce Young. I mean, has not been a great season by any means. But – as good as the front seven of the titans is their secondary is a liability and so this could be a game for him to get back on track like i said i don't think they win but this could kind of be a get right game for bryce and kind of get some confidence
1: um ricky i'm watching i'm watching Diamond carter You mentioned it, the game against the Chiefs, the Philadelphia line didn't get any, hardly any penetration, but we both know that Jalen Carter has been a guy that consistently, when he's had snaps, he's consistently had penetration. Can he do it against Josh Allen?
0: All right, and then last but not least, the team we're calling out, I'm giving Baltimore a break. Hope I don't regret it. I'm calling out the Denver Broncos. I mean, kind of touched by the top. I'm looking forward to seeing what Russ does against his defense. It's going to be a very tough test. But I think that just with the corner that it seems like they've turned over the past month or so, they look like a team that is trying very hard to get one of those wild card spots. And I mean, this is going to be a big test because the Browns are in a very similar situation. They're trying to make the playoffs as well. So I need the Broncos to handle their business, do what they're supposed to do, so my brother-in-law can make it back to the playoffs.
1: Um, I'm calling out the Pittsburgh Steelers. You fire offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Now if you're going up against a weekend the, um, Bengals team. Just get the W. All
0: right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Starting things off with our Mamba Players of the Weas. Week um out of the Eastern Conference. I'm gonna show some love to Jalen Brunson. He's been balling with the Knicks.
1: Um, for me, I'm going to say in the East, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Tyrese Halliburton.
0: All right, let's go ahead and move on to the, our Western Mamba of the week. I'm going LeBron. I know that game against the Mavericks was a tough one, very close loss. But I mean, leading up to it, I mean brawn had been on a tear became the first nba player to have 39,000 plus career points that obviously means something because he had been balling and uh yeah say what i will about him but he's earned it
1: yeah i gotta go brown as well all
0: right rookie mama of the week it's boring but i'm going check
1: same here all
0: right let's move on to our top three takeaways of the week um for me, number three is the Wizards' best player really is Kyle Kuzma, not Jordan Poole. We're going to talk about Jordan Poole a bit later. But, I mean, looking at the numbers, it's really not even close. And I understand that the Wizards went ahead and brought him in, uh, Poole in from Golden State, hoping for him to like be the cornerstone of that franchise. That obviously hasn't happened, whether that be just as a leader on the bench or a leader on the court. It just hasn't been there. Kyle Kuzma has seemed to really fill that role more so.
1: Um, my number three. Everyone was expecting the Oklahoma City Thunder to make that that ride, Memphis Grizzlies esque rise, but so far it's been looking like it's the Minnesota Timberwolves and Anthony Edwards has been the huge a huge engine of that rise because like he he's making the push to challenge Devin Booker for the best shooting guard in the NBA.
0: It's funny you mentioned. The Timberwolves because that kind of goes into my number to take away and it's Shea and Anthony Edwards are in a battle for being considered the most exciting young players in the NBA today I mean Shea is handling his business with the Thunder he's having an amazing season and same could be said for Ant and like you said like he's really making a push to be considered the best shooting guard in the league and I mean I know once once Ja returns he'll absolutely be in that conversation as well but it's few players more fun to watch than Shea and Ant at this point of the season
1: um my number 2 um the New Orleans Pelicans are starting to see once you you get a healthy Zion and you actually run the offense through him that you can gain success they've had a couple games these this past couple of weeks against the Kings and if I'm not mistaken the Denver Nuggets where they ran the offense through Zion and they produced w's Zion like, he didn't have, like, super splashy, like, 30, 40 point games, but he had really strong, efficient 25 to 26 point games, and they were, like, a full of stat lines.
0: Right. And then, number one for me, through 15 games, the Celtics look like the undisputed best team in the East. I mean, it was no surprise that the Celtics were going to be good, but they just seemed to be playing. At a higher level than everybody else. Obviously, there's what sixty, seven more games left to go. There's plenty of time for that to change. But through the early going, few teams look to have better chemistry than the Celtics do right now.
1: It's funny you said that because I was honestly gonna say not even just the the East, the whole entire NBA.
0: Yeah, they look they look amazing. Hopefully that hopefully everybody can stay healthy and we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But yeah, it's it's not close. Um, But all right, let's go ahead and move on to some injury news. Um, Despite playing a couple of games with the Suns, unfortunately, uh, Suns guard Bradley Beal will be out and reevaluated in two to three weeks as he continues to rehab from his low back strain uh, per Shams. It's, I wouldn't necessarily call it a tough blow because, again, it's not, he's barely played for the team, so it's hard to really know what they have in him, but If you are the Suns, are you starting to be a bit wary about this trade and possibly second-guessing if you made the right decision?
1: I wouldn't say you second-guessing because, like you said, he hasn't really been outplayed. Like, the big three that you tried to form hasn't played a game together, maybe in most one game, so you can't really second-guess it. I think the hard thing of it is you could potentially regret it because it's a back injury. Because we've seen in the past with like guys in the NBA. Once you get a back injury, like they could be like I wouldn't say career ending, but they could be something that you make that makes a player a completely different player. Like Dwight Howard, he was dominant and he had a back injury. He kind of slowed down tracy mcgrady this will took him out so it's a couple of guys that have had back injuries that kind of um change them changed the way the level of player that they are
0: yeah i would agree with that i mean it's still very early and i think that you actually want to see what you have in bill uh katie and d book before you brush to any judgments Um, But, yeah, I'm sure it can be frustrating because, like you said, like you kind of question, is he going to still be that same player he was prior to the injury when he comes back? Is he going to be this player who we gave up a lot for? Like, is he going to be able to provide us that production? Is he still going to be playing at a high level? Because you need that. Because D-Book is great. KD is great. But we've seen time and time again, those two alone are not enough to win an NBA championship. They need an extra piece. And Bradley Bill has potential to be that, but it's hard to evaluate that when he hasn't been on the court with them at all this season. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery. We talked about Jordan Poole a little bit uh, during my takeaways, but it seems that the Wizards are a bit tired of talking about Mr. Poole already. Uh, Reportedly by Mark Stein, the Wizards are likely to trade Poole as officials don't see him as cornerstone material. So do you think it's believable or buffoonery that Jordan Poole will no longer be a Washington Wizard come the end of this season?
1: I think it's believable um, because, again, he's shown to be a guy that you can't build a team around. And unless you're going to say, like, hey, honestly, the only way I can see him staying on the wishes is they tell him, like, you're going to come off the bench and you have no choice but to come off the bench. And then we know once that happens, he's going to, from what he's shown the maturity level-wise, he's going to throw a fit probably not try to play. So I don't think he'll be a wizard cone by the time the offseason rolls around.
0: I don't think so either. I mean, I'm sure there were already questions about just his character in general as more things and more information had come out about, you know, the video of Draymond punching him in the face. And then there's that other clip, for those of you who haven't seen it, where it's during a wizard's timeout, and he is not paying a lick of attention to the call. Uh, that the coaches are trying to make draw up. He's not paying attention. He people are like trying to tell him, yo, coach is drawing up a play, you need to pay paying attention, he's still not doing it. And then as he's preparing to get out of the onto the court out of the timeout, like he's looking back at the board, trying to figure out what the play is. Like we talked about this a lot. Like if I'm the coach, you're benched. Like if I see you're not paying attention, you're not gonna be on the court, regardless of if you are our quote unquote star player, our quote unquote cornerstone, or if you ride the bench. You are not going to be playing if you clearly do not care. And yeah. especially because this is a very, very young team who has no expectations, but you don't want to set an example like, hey, the way Jordan Poole is acting, that's fine. Yeah, let just let it ride. Because then the younger players coming up and the people playing around, like, well, I mean, if Jordan Poole acting like this, then I guess it's cool for me to act like this too. And so, yeah, if I'm the wizard, you got to go. So. Yeah. But all right, last thing before we make our game picks, Dylan Brooks has not been shy when it comes to talking about his former team, the Memphis Grizzlies, and has referenced them in many comments. For one, he recently said uh, that the team has no swagger. He also compared himself to an ex-girlfriend to the team. He said, I'm like the girlfriend that you used to have. You don't know how good she is until she's gone. And in response, Tony Allen, a part of the great grit and grind Grizzlies, said, You the same chick. I just saw what LeBron just did to him. He gave him 37-9-8. and eight. He's still over there getting his ass bust. We ain't missed nothing. All that talk came to a head this past Wednesday when the Grizzlies headed to Houston to take on Brooks and the Rockets. They ended up losing the game by 20 points. Sure, that's not a major indication that Dylan Brooks played a huge role in it, but Believable or buffoonery, the Grizzlies made a mistake letting Dylan Brooks go in free agency.
1: I'm going to say no, because if anything, he's still proving that he's the same. At least from the standpoint of, like, maturity-wise, he's the same player that they wanted to get rid of. Because, like, bro, you... You... Before the before you play LeBron in like I think two games in a week, you said what are you looking forward to when playing Le, LeBron? Locking them up, so you still poking the bird crap to LeBron, talking, poking the bird, talking crap to LeBron. Then when you get to playing the Grizzlies, I watched basically the whole game outside of like the, the end of the fourth quarter. Like he didn't really have a huge impact. In all honesty. The thing that the Grizzlies miss is having a healthy roster. Yeah. Like, they don't miss Dylan Brooks. Like, it's easy to. Because the reality is, if, if the Grizzlies were to have a healthy roster, and honestly, if the Grizzlies were to have an unsuspended John Morant and a healthy roster, they wouldn't be in the same position. He wouldn't have room to talk.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm calling buffoonery on that as well. Because. Like, for example, we talked about this last week. Like, against the Lakers, when um, AD shoved... Who did shove? Shit. I remember when I don't care. But against the Lakers, like, that's when you miss a Dylan Brooks. Somebody who, like you said, is a bit immature, does not care to get in somebody's face, and not necessarily fight, but definitely, like, go at them if they feel disrespected, or they feel like you disrespect their teammates. That's when you miss a Dylan Brooks. But on the court, he hasn't necessarily been that productive. So even if he was playing, I don't think that the Grizzlies record would be totally different. Like you said, like we're comparing like losses, not having Steven Adams out there hurts, not having Brandon Clark out there hurts, not having John Morant is a much bigger blow than Dylan Brooks not being out there. So, yeah, I'm calling buffoonery on that. But, all right, let's go ahead and make our game picks for tonight. Grizzlies are going to be playing pretty soon, uh, hosting the Phoenix Suns. As much as I'd love for the Grizzlies to get the upset, I'm going Suns. Suns. Miami Heat heading to New York to face the Knicks. I got Heat.
1: Mm, I got Knicks.
0: Chicago Bulls in Toronto to play the Raptors. I'll go
1: Raptors. I'm going Bulls because DeMar always goes off against Toronto.
0: That is a... That is a fact. I'm, I'm changing man, answer. I got Bulls. And I'd be shocked if he put up anything less than 28. And that's being generous. All right, Detroit Pistons facing the Indiana Pacers. I got Pacers. Pacers. Sacramento Kings versus the Tim, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. That should be a fun one, but I'm going Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Washington Wizards versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Definitely got Bucks. Bucks. Denver Nuggets versus the Houston Rockets. I got Nuggets. Like it. San Antonio Spurs heading to Golden State to face the Warriors. I got Warriors. Warriors. Last but not least, New Orleans Pelicans versus the Los Angeles Clippers. This is tough. I think I'm going to go Pelicans.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Clippers.
0: Alright, thank you all so much for listening. As always, please to sure check out the export.net, our PTExport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here?
1: Um, go tigers, go Titans, go Greece, uh I almost went to the game against the Suns, but you know, probably better that I didn't cause I would have been upset. Right. Uh so
0: yeah, those are the things. Yeah, um, Baltimore, please handle your business. I want to go into the bye with the win and healthy. Please, love God. Let's be healthy. Um, go Tigers, go. Memphis got a big dub today. Hopefully, Memphis basketball. Don't they play Nova Villanova today?
1: They're playing right now.
0: Okay, bet. Hope they win. Um, Memphis. I mean, not Memphis. Uh, my other Tigers, LSU. Jaden Daniels for MVP. Um. Uh, Oh, I mean, not MVP. Heisman, well, MVP. Whatever. Just give him something because he's been amazing this year. Lakers, please let's not run LeBron to the dirt because we ain't about it, nobody trusts AD. And, um, yeah, Colts content, you know, was on the buy last week. Got more stuff coming out. Done a couple of things this week. And then Bucks game, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, all that readership is greatly appreciated. And, um, yeah, that's all I got. Oh, also wrestling fans again cheap plug survivor series predictions the full thing with me and embryo you can check that out we get more in depth with it and then next week obviously we will have a recap coming up so be on the lookout for that but uh thank y'all so much for listening have a great rest of y'all weekend and uh we'll see you all next time